At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming up on episode 222 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the BMW M3 Competition X-Drive, a whole bunch of stuff that Roberto drove during the World Car of the Year judging, uh, including the BMW 2 Series Coupe, the Lexus UX250HF Sport, the BMW BZ4X and Subaru Solterra, the Fisker Ocean, Hyundai's new N models, and we talk a little bit about the Tesla server outage. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. I'm Sam Abuol Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeland from Autobytel. And I am Roberto Baldwin from LifeWire. All right. Uh, Roberto, what have you been driving? I've been driving so many things. Uh, listeners, my well, last week for us was the uh la auto show and ahead of that is the world car of the year award drive annual drive every year we all gather up in pasadena and we drive a bunch of cars up and down angeles crest highway which is probably one of the best roads in the united states that you can well just drive anything up and down and um i drove a lot of cars uh so here uh, i i rode drove the the gr86 which I thoroughly enjoyed, and it made a wonderful case for me to go out, sell my BRZ, my 2014 BRZ, and buy a new <laughs> BRZ. <laughs> I don't know how the, the what the money split is on that. I think do they do, if 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 uh, if I buy a Toyota, does Subaru get a little bit of money? If I buy a Subaru, does Toyota get a little money? I don't know how that how that works. I don't know how it works. Yeah. Um, so well, I. I uh, Apologies to Toyota, I guess, or good job Toyota. I mean, I feel like either way, they're they're both doing pretty well. Um, I also drove. Um, it's, what's also fun is that sometimes you get to drive cars from other countries, from other regions that you don't get to drive here. And one of them was the Volkswagen uh, Tagun. I believe that's how you say it. It's T A I G U N. If I'm mispronouncing it, Tygen? I apologize. That seems Tygen? right. It's probably Tagun. 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 It's yeah. the Tiger, the Volkswagen Tiger, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it was, it, it's a, 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 a small crossover SUV, whatever you want to, a tiny SUV, whatever you want to call it, but it was right-hand drive, uh, and it was a manual transmission. I got to drive up that up uh, Andrews Coast Highway, which was outstanding. I don't know how much I enjoyed just the fact that it was right-hand drive and it was a manual transmission versus how much I enjoyed the car. I think it's a solid little vehicle. I think, you know, the fact that it's, it's, it's on the list for... Um, for world car makes complete sense because it drove well it's it's a nice vehicle but uh, but you you sort of get sometimes you have to be careful 
Like, uh, I get very excited when I get to do something very odd. If something odd is happening, I get super excited about that over the car. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, right-hand drive, uh, manual transmission up Angeles Crest Highway was uh, outstanding because now you're turning and you're on the outside, so you're always just right there by that white line. Um, so that was fun. Have, uh, have either of you spent very much time with uh, manual transmission or, or with right-hand drive vehicles? Uh, visiting Belfast and, uh, and visiting, visiting Ireland, I've driven like there for like over a week, like driving around, like we rent a car when we go over there. And so that's, that's, that's pretty much for me. Yeah, yeah. When I was, we were, have spent time in Ireland and England. And those were my moments where when, we had to change things around. And, yeah. When, when I, when I got my first job after college, um, working at the GM proving grounds on, uh, on ABS systems, um, the, on my first day, you know, he said, and here's, here's what you're going to be working on. It was the, the Lotus Elan, the M100 Elan. Um, and there was a right-hand drive one. He said, let's go for a drive. And so that, that was my first <laughs> opportunity driving a, both a right-hand drive car and a right-hand drive car with a manual transmission. And uh, it, it, it definitely takes a little getting used to. I, the man, like the right-hand drive I got used to really quick. The manual transmission, my hand's like, ah, can't. Wait, one two, three, like I'm counting, it's trying to figure out where I am. I'm like, I've lost it. <laughs> so, so what happens, uh, what, what would happen for, for me when I was over there? So the first like hour, so you're so concentrated on your, your left hand, you know, shifting gears and making sure you're in the correct lane, <laughs> you're not driving in oncoming traffic. And then you get sort of used to driving, you're fine. And what would happen was I'd be driving and then I put the clutch in and then I'd smack my right hand against the door. <laughs> because my brain is trained over decades to, to shift my right hand. So I kept hitting my right hand against the door. So after a week, that would, that would go away. But then... So you have bruises all over your knuckles on your right I hand. I know, you're just like, smack, ow, ow. But then that would go away. I would stop doing that, and I'd get back to the United States. And the first... We, at the time, we had this like really horrible Dodge Neon that I'm so glad we got rid of um, that had broken down or whatever. <laughs> anyway, I went to drive it. And the first thing I did was smack my left hand against the door when I had to shift gears, because <laughs> I'd gotten so used to driving with uh, on the doing uh, right-hand drive. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, I also drove the the Cupra Formentor. It's another Volkswagen product. It is. Um, but that sounds like that. That makes me think of Dementors from Harry Potter. Is this a bad, evil car? The Formentor. It feels a little bit. It's got the like. It's it's very growly. It's a very growly small SUV. It's just like. Bleh. And um, so it, it could be like a, the Dementor of the Volkswagen small SUV sect. Um, yeah, it was a fun little car to drive. Um, it, it, it feels like it has more bark than bite overall, but uh, it's still, you know, when you're, you know, you, I was also, I also ended up driving like a GTI and like, you know, GR86. So it's hard to sort of judge, you know, compared to those vehicles. It's, it is definitely not a crazy hot hatch, but it was really fun. It was a fun, and it did have this, like, very uh, distinct note. <laughs> just, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I drove the... for your engine sounds. The, the way he was like, <laughs> oh, what's he driving this week? Let's hear what he's going to make What's it sound it like? sound like? <laughs> what does he sound like? Uh, I drove the Volkswagen, uh, the Golf GTI, which I, uh, front-wheel drive fun, which I am, uh, you know, I, I, I love a hot hatch. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have time to drive the Golf R, so I'm still I'm still behind on that. 
Um, let's see. I did a review of the EQS, along of the Mercedes EQS for Engadget this week. It is. Uh, I'm still a big fan of it. I still think it drives better if you're looking for luxury than the S Class. Um, I did. Uh, after having it for a week, I did realize that the rear seats aren't great for really tall people. Um, if you're taller than six three, you're going to hit your head. That's that. That's 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 the deal with, with the. Uh, but overall, like the front, it's it it is a wonderful car to drive. And and after a week of driving with that ten degrees of rear wheel steering, I don't know how I'm I, I've gone back because everything else, nothing everything sucks after that. <laughs> rear wheel steering at ten degrees is amazing, especially with a big car. You're just like this is so you get so used to it. And now I'm just like, well, now every car needs uh, all-wheel steering and at least 10 degrees in the back because what's the point of even having a car if you can't make it turn, make you know tight turns and super tight U-turns and circles in the middle of uh, Treasure Island here in the Bay Area <laughs> <laughs> in order to, to highlight that. Um, and then a few weeks ago, I drove the BMW 2 Series Coupe, and it was outstanding. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a fun car to drive. Uh, it very much feels like if you are the owner of a Miata or a BRZ or, or maybe a GTI or a Golf R and you want to sort of move up, you want to still have that fun of, you know, these, a, a small car, but you want a little bit more luxury. You want to feel a little bit more pampered, um, and you don't mind losing a manual transmission because you're, 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 you know, most of your day you're commuting and you're kind of like, okay, I'm over this. Uh, yeah, that, that two series coupe is outstanding. It's, it's, now, a, it's a good little car. For the two series coupe we're, we're getting here, is that still going to be rear wheel drive or because overseas they have stuff that's called two series, but there's different vehicles. So I drove the X drive and I drove a rear wheel drive, the rear wheel drive one. And I definitely, and even though they told me not, and they, and they told me not to, I definitely did not turn off traction control to go around corners in the rear wheel drive version. I definitely did not do that. But if I had have done that, it is outstanding fun. (laughs) But I did not do that. You didn't do that because I would would Yes. I would not. I did not do that because I was told that we, they did not want us to do that. Um, and you're a rule follower. I'm a rule follower. I am not a rule breaker. Uh, yeah. And that was during uh, BMW's test fest. Uh, I think I already talked about that. But I drove a bunch of cars on a track. Yeah. M4, M5, M3 competition on the track. Ridiculous. Yeah. Rear wheel drive vehicles on a track going really fast. It was good times. Good times overall. I think. And let me double check. Make sure that's all the cars I drove. I, right now I'm doing a 330e i'll talk about that later um i feel like there's some cars i probably drove that i didn't mention but that's fine i drove a lot of cars that's what that's the, the long story short i drove a lot of cars i really want to trade in my brz for a new brz because of the <laughs> gr86 it is outstanding it's wonderful i'm glad i finally got to drive it i'm glad i got to drive it on andrews crest highway um I, I i am a big fan good job toyota and or and subaru I, 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 think I think it, it and for, that, for vehicle, that vehicle, I think it's more <clears throat> Subaru than Toyota. Yeah, I think it, it is. I think, and I think the same. I think it's the same thing with the uh, with the electric uh, vehicle. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about in a little bit. Yeah, which, yeah. when you, yeah, and I'll, I'll tell, yeah, the auto show, you could really say it's the, who was very excited about this car and who was just like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. 
Uh, Nicole, are you ready to go or you want me to go first? I, I am ready to go. All I right. am ready now. I talked for I, so long. I gave you t- I see. I helped. I'm you helping. You gave me time. I, I had all sorts of computer issues this morning. Like, instead of getting stuff ready, I was like, work, computer. Like, every piece of software it had needed updating. So I was not quite ready this morning. But um, so I was out for a whole week driving very many things. Um, and some I'll talk about next week, but some I'll talk about this week. And I have the car that's parked in my driveway. I'll start with the one that's parked in my driveway. I have the Lexus UX 250H F Sport because the longer the name of the car, the cooler it gets. I don't know. Um, I believe that is the strategy, at least at Toyota. That's yeah. the strategy. <laughs> and if you make it letters and numbers that you can never, ever, ever remember. Uh, so I, this one, I, I like the UX overall. I mean, it's not this super amazing performance vehicle, um, but the hybrid, I actually like how it drives better than just the straight up gas powertrain. So this has a... Two liter, four cylinder engine, 181 horsepower. So it's not like super duper, you know, it's not going to win you some races. Um, it's all wheel drive, CVT. It's perfectly competent on the highway. It's competent. Let's say it's a competent engine, um, <laughs> competent. but not an overly engaging one. So it's, you know, if you mash the accelerator, good luck with that. It's not going to accelerate <laughs> with any kind of like aggression. It's just not. But I don't feel like you're buying this if that's what you want, or at least hopefully you're not, because if you are, then you're going to be a little bit disappointed. Um, But it does have, it looks great. It handles nicely. I mean, driving it, it's a nice, comfortable car to drive. Um, The steering is good. The handling is such that if you do manage to find some speed and take a corner at speed, uh, you're not going to have a lot of body roll happening. It's a pretty controlled drive. Um, But I feel like with a car like this, you're looking more like for the for the comfort utility, it's like a, I don't know, they technically call it an SUV. I feel like it's more crossover sized. I don't know, Sam, you always know things. What does this totally count as? Is this an it's, SUV or is this a crossover? It, it, it's an utterly arbitrary distinction that has no meaning whatsoever anymore. It's it's okay. whatever the manufacturer yeah. decides to call it. Every, I, I would call say, it, what would you call it? I, I would say anything that is based on a front wheel drive architecture, you know, that is shared with cars is a crossover. I'm going to call it an SUV over. It's an SUV over. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm making my own new arbitrary term when you can't decide which way it's supposed to go. Uh, so it doesn't have a huge amount of cargo room, but it, it's it's got a decent little bit of cargo in the back. It gets good fuel economy overall. I would say it's uh, 41 city, 38 highway. So it's about 39 combined. My driving in this has been almost strictly highway at this point, And I was averaging 39. So I'm coming in like Scotia, but yeah, just that's some good. what they said i know so technically you know good job the numbers are right um, <laughs> good job at numbers guys yay uh so inside it feels and looks like a lexus it does have great style it's got a little bit of heavy bolstering on the seats for a car that's not especially sporty so it kind of holds you in there i'm like what do you what do you think i'm doing in this lexus because i'm not doing that um, well, we'll we'll talk about bolstering later Yes, we will. Um, so, so inter, but I mean, it lives up to what you'd expect in a Lexus. It's got, it's, it's, the, the materials are high quality. It looks and it feels good. It's comfortable. Rear seat, seat two, but it's, uh, seat three, technically, I guess, but two adults is what you're really going to want to put back there. If you put three adults back there, um, you're going to lose friends because one of them is never going to ride with you ever again, whoever squished in the middle. Um, it has something I'm sure that Sam loves and I hate, which is a lack of touchscreen. It has like the little Lexus. Yeah, but that, I, I, I don't like touchscreens, but that Lexus yes. touchpad is way worse. Okay, so see, oh my God, we agree on an infotainment system. Mark it down, people. 1203 and 1121. Um, 
So I hate it. Um, and it was funny because I was driving home and I had my husband and my kids in the car and my daughter was like losing her mind. She's like, I hate this. Like she was trying to find, she's like, what, how, why can't I touch the screen? I'm like, oh, my child of my heart. Yeah, she couldn't, <laughs> she did not like it. She hated the touchpad. And I tried to explain to her that Lexus has come out with something better. Like their newer system is better than the older one. And she's like, well, how old is this? How long have they been using this? Why is this still here? Why can't they pull it out of here? I'm like, it's not that easy, child. Take a deep breath. So she did not like it either. Um, so you're paying for the Lexus UX 250 HF Sport uh, $43,885. I've got some extra goodies on there that they've added. Um, the most expensive of the bid is... Um, the 10.3 inch screen, like the navigation system. So it's an upgraded infotainment system that adds like $2,200. Everything else is like 500 bucks here, $500 there. Um, the F sport thing, which makes it look really, F sport makes it look sexy. I don't know that it does much to make it drive sexy, but it makes it look sexy. Uh, so if you want your car to look sexy, but not drive that way, uh, go ahead and add, do the F sport thing. So I like it. Is it my favorite Lexus? No, and I like the brand as a whole, but I feel like, you know, for $43,000, there's a lot of crossover, no, SUV over options that you can get. Um, and I might be tempted to drive some of the other ones. So I don't want to pan it, but it's just, it's just not super impressive. I don't know. Have you guys driven both had some time to drive? Yeah, I've, I've, I've driven the UX and you're right. It, it's, it's fine, you know, but it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. You know, it, you know, it's it's a typical Toyota or Lexus. You know that it's it's not it's not going to be you know a huge disappointment. It's going to be reliable. You know, it's going to get you where you need to go, um, but it's not you know it's not going to get you really excited. And you know, it's kind of kind of cramped. And that infotainment interface, that touchpad that they use, is just awful. It, that it's horrible. that is by far, I would say, the worst. Inter infotainment interface I think anybody's come up with yet. And it's like enough that that's part of why I would say other options because there's other vehicles that are that are similar that have better infotainment systems, better interfaces and although like any system you do get used to it over time if you're driving it every day and you're doing your daily run around town or your daily commute or whatever you do get used to it. You get used to how your system works and you will very quickly beca it becomes intuitive. doesn't mean you're going to like it doesn't yeah. mean that you're not still and I'm, get I'm not sure this one touchpad yeah i'm not sure this one ever really becomes intuitive uh, but <laughs> for you know for for what it's worth it's just you there know, yeah like angering Lexus, you yeah the, the new nx you know that they're just launching that one they've finally abandoned the the touchpad they got rid you know they years ago several years ago abandoned the the sort of joystick mouse thing which actually i thought that one actually worked pretty well it worked a lot better than the touchpad um, but they got rid of that and they've just gone to a touchscreen. They said, okay, fine. We give up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll and, do a touchscreen. And the new one, really, you're right, Sam, like to their credit, like as much as they don't like this one, like hold, please. What they've done, what they've, what they're adding now is so much better. It's oh, yeah. leaps and bounds better. So it's kind of like I'm, I'm criticizing old tech, but it's old tech that you can still buy in a new car. So like beware still, that yeah. you're the old stuff for the tech now, there are, you can get the NX that has the newer stuff, but if you're getting it with this, like play with that info too. And what was the thing that, um, 
my, she couldn't find the volume button. Like I know there's a volume button on the steering wheel. I can change, but the volume button is like this little knob when you put your hand, it's like a, like a little dial that you kind of shift left and right and it's sort of hidden. Mm-hmm. And she's like, where am I like, with the and I'm trying to show her and same thing. She's like, who designed that? I'm like somebody who decided it wasn't a good idea and designed something else. Calm down. <laughs> like, this is going to be awesome. People are going to love it. Yeah. Can you imagine when you design something like that and then you get what you get back is like everybody hates what I did. Like well, I know it's not one guy, but you gotta imagine and, and, and then you put it across your entire product lineup. Right. You've dumped it into every product you made and everyone's like, Good job, good job, look for a new one. No, I feel like that's I just that's, it's weird. That's when you go and you design something and you only you're all patting yourself on the back instead of like putting it in front of actual humans and saying, Hey, what do you think of this? And even when I mean, people still like pushed back on it, they're like, you know what? No, they'll get used to it. <laughs> I know it's, and, and no one does. I don't, I don't know anybody who says it's easy. If I have, we have <clears throat> listeners out there, I'd really be curious if you have this and you thought, Hey, you know what? Not only did I get used to it, I love this old Lexus system. I'd love to hear from you. Crazy person, please send us a, <laughs> a tweet and tell us because I just have never heard of your crazy stories. They like it. Yeah. So that was the car that is parked in my driveway. Um, that I, you can see I was super excited about. Like, it just wasn't my thing. Um, but I had two super exciting cars that I got to drive not in my driveway, um, but on a track. We went up to the Sonoma Raceway with the good folks at Hyundai Like Sunday, and we had the Kona N and the Elantra N uh, to drive on the track. And it gets people, these are fun cars. Like, really, really fun. So here's the thing. So, like, it's two cars. They both have the N, which someone asked me, what does N stand for? And I said, Nicole, because they're mine now. I'm because, cleaning them. Because they're nice. Because they're nice. <laughs> no, they're mine, Roberto. They're mine. They're the, oh, okay. the Elantra Nicole and the Kona Nicole. Um, no, these are, they have, I want to say it's seven N cars in the full lineup by the end of the year. I don't know if they've got them all introduced yet, but they say there's going to be seven. And I honestly have a Does that include the N line models? I don't, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe, it, the, the thing said there will be seven N trims, so I don't know if it includes the N line, which isn't quite the same as... It's more like F-Sport for Lexus. Yes, yeah. the N line is like the F-Sport. You get the appearance. The, yes, it looks it's cool, but fake sport. it doesn't necessarily have the drive cool to back it up. Although it drives fine. Nothing. To, I actually like the Elantra and the Kona in their more vanilla flavors. Um, but so these are truly performance versions of these cars. They're not intended to just look better or look sporty and think, oh, these look, although they do, I mean, they have like these red accents and things that you know that this is a little bit different than the rest of the lineup, Um, but they're designed to drive that way. So I'll start with the Elantra. I like have two things open on my screen. Um, So what you have for an engine, you have a two liter four cylinder with 276 horsepower and 289 pound feet of torque. Um, it moves. Um, and the thing is the Elantra, it's a sedan. So you can, it's like a small sedan and it's sort of unassuming and you kind of think, oh, nice little sedan. And then you get inside and the thing just is crazy responsive. The handling is incredibly sharp. We took it on the track. You, it's a nice, it's nice in that you, you know, you, the first few laps you do around a track in any car, you're kind of just trying to get a feel for it. Like how far can I push this? How controlled is it? And you do those first couple of laps, you think, oh, I can push this a lot harder than I think I can. And you can really go with this. It's also got that ride, that that handling that it has, it matches that up with a harsh ride. Now, I would normally rip apart a car for being really harsh, but there's a whole bunch of other Elantras you can buy. 
You want to get like a nice cushy sedan, go with one of the other Elantras. If you want to get one that is sporty and if you were someone who tracked a car or you want to take it on the track or you just want to have that kind of handling the next time you're driving like a winding canyon road and you really enjoy that you enjoy that crisp responsive aggressive drive and you don't care if your passengers get jostled when you hit a change in the pavement this is your car and hyundai was sort of unapologetic about it they're like this is not the cushy sedan this is the car for the people who love to drive and it is going to drive a little bit sportier and harsher because the suspension is a sporty suspension system you it makes it handle beautifully, but you do feel it if you're on the bumps and dips in the road. But I truly didn't care because it is so much fun to drive. I'm like, that's okay. Jostle me all you want on the road because driving this is so much stinking fun. Um, it looks like it drives. It has plenty of visual appeal. It's very comfy. Um, the seats are super nice. They're leather with microsuede trims and they have like an end sport thing on there. They like you open the door, even just opening it. You haven't even gotten behind the wheel and you open the door and you think, oh, this is just not an Elantra. This is, there's something else happening here. Um, it has for infotainment, it gets a nice big 10.25 inch touchscreen with Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, navigation comes standard. There's an eight speaker Bose audio system. Um, they also have this neat, um, there's like an N exclusive, I guess you would say, like interface on the infotainment system. And it, it shows like dials and gauges and oil and coolant torque. It makes you feel like you're like, you know, doing your Forza Horizon thing on your computer. You know, it's, it <laughs> looks like you're like, I'm driving a sports car. Like it just looks, it looks really cool. Uh, so I <clears throat> thoroughly enjoy driving this and it's a sedan. It, it's a sedan. And it just, it, it's sort of, we don't have pricing, so I don't know how much it's going to be, but you got to figure it's still a Hyundai at heart, and they're trying to – Hyundai doesn't build cars that are so expensive that they price people out. You know, they like they're more – you're going to get more – I feel like you get more in a Hyundai than you will in the other guys, and you get it for a lower price. So I'm hopeful when they come out with pricing, which they say is sometime later this year when it hits the market because it's supposed to be coming out soon um, that we're not going to be shocked by the price. I mean, the most expensive – a launcher you can buy right now is a limited hybrid. It's twenty two. So what do you? What's your guess? What do you think this one's going to cost? Mm, I would say thirty three. I would say thirty three. Get a little what extra. Did you say Sam? Uh, I said thirty. That might no, be a see, little bit low. I was going to go with thirty two. So we kind of have it covered. Um, that's what, which is a really good price for a car that drives as well as this does. Um, then there was also the Kona N. Same kind of idea, but what makes the Kona N kind of fun is that it's this little it's this little crossover. I'm going to call this one a crossover. It's not an SUV. It's not an SUV over. It's a crossover. Um, and it, it looks like, you know, oh, I just bought like this little, you know, cute little crossover thing because I need to have room for my friends and I want to have the crossover so I can throw my garbage in the back of it and, you know, take people around. And you think, oh, this is going to be the bestest thing on the track because crossover is a little taller and oh my gosh, this thing, I actually enjoy driving the Kona more than I enjoyed driving the Elantra. It's just something about the notion of driving this little crossover that handles like a true little hot hatchback once you get it out on the track. It does have the same thing where the ride is very firm out on the road. Um, and again, totally 100% willing to forgive that because there's a whole line of other Konas you can buy. So if you're looking for the performance Kona, this is your huckleberry. If you want your everybody's comfortable and the kids are snoozing in the back, Kona, get one of the other ones. 
I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a lot of fun. Now, my one, someone was asking me, and I am going to share this, how to rate how bouncy it was on the road. So when you go do off-roading or you do anything where it's really, you know, bouncy, um, as a woman, you have to wear a supportive bra. Otherwise, you're bouncing along on the road. <laughs> and I was like, so it's, and it's like on a scale of one to five that I wish I had worn a sports bra, I was like at about a three and a half with both of these because you start coming to me you're like, oh, good gravy. I mean, so it is very bouncy. So you do feel about, so, you know, if it's rough pavement, if you're driving anywhere, you know, highways, it's smooth, but if you've got something where it's rough pavement or you're going through lots of potholes, you are going to feel it. Um, but then you take it onto a track or you take it someplace where the road is really nicely paved. And when it's smooth, the handling is just so good. I mean, you can really, you can be aggressive with this and it sounds aggressive even. It is, it is, these are, I loved these. I loved both of these cars. I did not want to stop driving them. So those are my, and again, we don't have pricing on the Kona either. Um, we're waiting on that. And the Kona runs, I put pricing in here somewhere for what it actually runs. And now I can't find it. The Kona currently runs from 21, just about 21,000 to about 28,500. So it's, it's pretty much in the same ballpark as the Elantra. You think it's going to be the same ballpark for the, the end trims guys? Pro probably. I, and and yeah. I, I looked up the, the Veloster N and it's 32,500. Yeah. So okay. I think, I think yeah. you were just about right on. Uh, 33, right. yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. They'll, they'll like, probably, be, that, they'll probably be about the same. Uh, yeah. And, you know, for, for those that want, you know, the sportier look and, you know, a little sportier performance than, than the base models, you know, um, both, of, both the Kona and the Elantra are available in N-line models, which give you a sportier look. Um, you get the 1.6 liter turbo instead of the 2 liter turbo, so they're about 200 horsepower. And you know those. That's a, a really nice combination in in both of those. If you don't want that super aggressive feel, did did both yeah. of the the Kona and the Elantra did they both have the eight speed DCT, the dual clutch transmission? Um, okay, one manuals? of them. There was there was it's, one had the manual, and I've just drawn a total blank. I want to say it was the Kona doesn't get a doesn't get a manual. Okay, you only get the eight. Crap. Yeah, you so only get the, the eight-speed DCT on the Kona. So you get the manual on the Elantra. You can get it with the manual, um, which was a hoot to drive. Um, there, it's it's a nice little manual transmission. But that DCT, the, the it's good. Like you don't, it's not. It's you really know, good. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. You know, sometimes you drive an automatic. You're like, oh man, if only this hand, had a manual. I really didn't feel that way about this one. It's the shifts are. It's so. It's, it's so good. It's it, so well-timed. It does such good delivery of the power where you would feel <clears> like you would want to shift if you were driving a manual. It's like, yep, right there, boom, and it shifts. And it's going to do it faster than you can do it. Like, you might be superhero-level speed, but you're still not going to get as good as how this, you know, the, the DCTs do their shifting. And this one is really well-mapped. It's really, really good. Yeah, um, especially if you, you, if you, you press the end mode button on the steering wheel. That, that yes. really turns it up. Yeah. yeah. It's like, bah, bah, bah. So, yeah. And you can definitely, there's enough, um, both of these, enough that you can do. You want it to sound more aggressive. You want it to drive more aggressive. You want the suspension more aggressive. You want the steering. Anything you want to sportify, <laughs> you can choose to do it. And I think there's like almost, I want to say like three different levels almost of each of those things. How, just how sporty do you want it to be? So you can, you know, crank it all the way up if that's what you want. And if you want to tone it down a little bit because you do have people in the car and you don't want them to, you know, be bounced all over, you can tone things down a little bit. Um, so there is plenty of ability to tailor this drive to be as sporty and aggressive as you want or to make it a little bit more mild manner. But even in its most mild mannered form, you take everything and you tone it down, it's still going to be a heck of a sporty ride and a heck of a lot of fun. I really enjoy both of these cars. 
Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it sounds like they took all the best, best of, of the, the, the Veloster, which, which I really I'm... enjoyed driving when I had one this summer, um, mm-hmm. and you know, put it in a couple of other form factors that you know, not everybody wants to drive something that's as unique looking as the Veloster. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's I mean, a fair you, way to call it. Yeah. That is yeah. fair. I mean, you know, if. If you want something that's that's really sporty, but you still need to be able to put a, a car seat or two in the back, you know, for the for the young ones, you know, that's now you have that option with either the Kona or the the Elantra. So yeah, I, I think I think and, it's, and it's good to have choices. You can, I mean, like you know, the comfort level is you know the smoothness of the ride is better in the not and versions, but like the idea that you could still, like you said, Sam, I can get a car that I can put my kids comfortably in car seats in the back throw whatever kid accoutrement that I need to bring with me in the back, you know, in the cargo area and do that and just be focused on whatever kid stuff and family stuff I need to do. But then if it's just me and you're driving to work or just out having a nice drive, you can really have fun with this. And it's the same car, you know, it doesn't require you to have, here's my sporty fun car and here's my responsible family car. You can make this do double duty. And that's, that's a tricky thing to do. You can't always pull it off. Sometimes you, you know, people say, Oh, you can use this for your family. You're like, no, I can't, but you could. It's like, yeah, it's like, no, you can say that in the marketing, but it's not true. No, you really can with these, which yeah. makes this and the, and the pricing, I know we're guessing at this 32 ish, that's still a good price for what you're getting in the performance of this car, wherever that, you know, I, maybe they're going to surprise us and it's going to be outrageous. I don't think they are. Uh, I, so I still think I it's don't imagine be they will be because they're yeah. all, all three of them, the, the Veloster, you know, if you look at the other trims, the Veloster, the Tucson and the Elantra are all fairly similarly priced for the various trims. So mm-hmm. I would, I would expect the ends gonna, are going to be in that same, yeah. same range. Yeah, I think this. I, I think the pricing, and that's again, that's just a Hyundai thing. Their pricing is always spot on. You get so many features compared to what you'll get for like their competitors is going to be thousands of dollars more than whatever Hyundai is going to charge you for the same thing. So yeah. I, I would be really shocked if the pricing didn't, you know, wasn't a happy little smiley face for all of us in that thirty-two yeah. ish range. Yep. I also drove the Kona in. Um, what did you think? Did you drive it, it on Angela's Crest? Or? I did drive it on Angela's Crest. I, I didn't want to just step on your story because you drove it for a lot longer. And you got to drive it on a track. I had to drive it with people and things. And, oh, you had to, like, obey laws and stuff? Uh, I had to obey the laws. Uh, yeah, it, it is a fun, hot hatch. It is um, it is very, very, very aggressive, especially those first and second gears. Um, mm-hmm. you get I, I was getting a lot of just, like, you could feel the torque, just like, ah, <laughs> just, like, attacking just the road. That. Uh, a lot while I was driving it. it. It's fun. It is a it is it has a very unique driving characteristic uh, that you don't feel much anymore because it's very tight. It's a very tight SUV. It's very tight on the ground, and then it's very just grabby. Like those front tires are just grabbing like there's no tomorrow. So you can feel that. Ah, you know, as I was uh, um, accelerating out of the corners, you could feel it just like let's do this. Like oh, settle yeah. down, settle down, Kona. And I had the, I had the Kona electric, so this is different. <laughs> There you go. But they're both front-wheel drive, so I was like, ah, it's the same. It's fine. <laughs> but they are not. No. Okay. Well, while we were in California, I was, I had, I was expecting to arrive home or arrive back at the airport in Detroit uh, to a Kia Carnival, uh, which I got to Carnival. drive. Carnival. Carnival, which I got to drive briefly uh, last month uh, when I was in Wisconsin for the Mama Rally. Um, and was quite impressed with it. Uh, and that's what was scheduled to be waiting for me. But unfortunately, 
or fortunately, depending on your point of view. Um, when I uh, on Wednesday, the day before I returned, I got a note from uh, the fleet company saying, "Yeah, Kia asked for this one to be turned back in. We're going to get another one soon, but uh, for now, we're going to we're going to drop off uh, a BMW M3 Competition X Drive for you." Well, that is not a bad thing. I mean, you're making it sound like they gave you an old Yugo they had in the background. I feel like <laughs> that, your trade was not so bad, Sam. It was, it was not a terrible trade, although I would have preferred to have had this trade, you know, say like you know, July or August or, <laughs> or even early October, you know, when the temperatures were a tad warmer around here because yes. it, uh, you know, 503 horsepower from the twin turbocharged inline six. And I do love a good inline six cylinder engine. BMW um, knows their inline sixes. Oh, they yes, know they how to make those, absolutely. Um, uh, but it was on summer tires and the temperature is hovering, has been hovering right around freezing since I got back. And and when you're, when you get below about 40 degrees Fahrenheit, um, summer tires, um, basically become like rocks. Uh, You don't get nearly quite as much grip as you do when the temperature is above 40 degrees. So I'm so, thinking of a Flintstones car. You say that in all of my oh, head. Yeah. I just put little Flintstones wheels on that car in my head. Yep. <laughs> and the, and these are, especially the ones in the back are just about as wide as, as the ones on Fred's car. As the one on Fred's little car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, that said, uh, I have driven it uh, some. I, I drove it home from the airport, and I did some driving around yesterday. And uh, despite the, the temperature, you know, barely getting up to about, I think, 38 or 39 yesterday, this is still one hell of a fun car. Um, you know, it, the unlike the uh, more pedestrian three series models, the M3 does get the uh, the new style BMW grille with the massive twin kidneys. But uh, you know, this one this one uh, was finished in uh, frozen dark gray metallic, the uh, one of the optional paint colors. Um, and um, so with that and the, the black trim, uh, those grills don't stand out quite as much. And seriously, once you're behind the wheel, you don't even see the grills. It doesn't matter. For, you forget just about it. Just everybody else has it's to fine. Well, It's fine. It's fine. Who cares about everybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Just whatever. I, 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 I do kind of wish you gotten the, uh, the rear-wheel drive sedan instead of the X-Drive with all the, the, the cold. I've driven both. <laughs> and it's, I, 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 and I love all-wheel drive because I like staying on the road. And it, they're great. But I also love a rear-wheel drive vehicle that you should never, ever turn off the uh, track control. I've never done that, BMW. Uh, and then... <laughs> because as we've already established... I'm a rule follower. Yeah. Well, I did, I did drive the M4 competition uh, rear-wheel drive uh, at Road America for the, the Mama Rally. So uh, I have had some experience with basically the same thing in a two-door form factor instead of the four-door. Nice. Uh, so... Yes, you're right. That is an excellent choice, and and I absolutely did not turn off the traction control when I was on the track. That that would that would be never very untoward. Um, I would I would never disobey those sorts of rules. But that paint that paint finish that's that's a that's a matte finish. So BMW has several colors that are that they call frozen. Uh, there's a frozen Portimao blue, which is actually that's the one I would have loved to have seen. Um, that's that's my favorite color on there. These are matte finish paints, so mm-hmm. the, it's a four thousand five hundred dollar option for that for those colors. Uh, they also have a white, a frozen white. I, I also don't feel like they've, they're far away enough from the movie Frozen because all I can think about is let it go. <laughs> I cannot. I, uh, yeah, I can't get. Far, we're not far enough away from that movie to start calling things Frozen. Sorry, BMW. For, for, fortunately, my children are <laughs> old enough that uh, they were not into that film when it came out, so I've never seen it. 
and it's I a good that, it's what? a good movie i like, I, I don't have it. i have i do not have children and they, i feel like the marketing for that movie was really bad because you had no idea what was going on and then just one day for i don't know why i watched it and i'm like this is a very good movie and i feel like they didn't market it very well and it was word of mouth and it exploded and then it has that song which is an earworm <laughs> That it is. Uh, uh, so let's see some of the other options that were that are on this car. Uh, it came with the um, the optional uh, M carbon ceramic brakes, uh, which Ooh. are an eight thousand one hundred and fifty dollar option. And thousand dollars. Oh my yeah. gosh! But if you've ever driven a car with carbon brakes, it yeah. is so good, especially when you're driving aggressively. Which, unfortunately, under the current weather conditions, is not really suitable not for this car. Um, but but it's amazing, you know, the the, the feel you get from those brakes, um, especially once they warm up a little bit. Uh, they're so good. Um, there one uh, one of the other options that is on this particular one is the M carbon bucket seats. So if you are at all considering uh, an M3 or an M4. Um, <clears throat> Before you te- check, uh, check off the, the box for the M Carbon Bucket Seats for uh, $3,800, oh, yeah, yeah. you absolutely need to make sure that you sit in them Yes. Um, and make sure that they fit your body because if they don't fit your body, you will not be very happy. You would, they they are difficult to get in and out of as well. Yes, they're very deep. There's, you 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 mentioned yeah. side bolsters earlier, uh, Nicole. <laughs> we got these things. On the BMW. <laughs> these these have some serious side bolstering. Uh, I think you know one of the few road cars that I've driven over the years that has as aggressive bolsters as this was uh, the Lotus Exige uh, 240S that I drove many years ago, um, which is basically a, you know like a racing shell seat. These, the, the M carbon bucket seats, the only adjustments you have are fore aft and the seat recline. So it's not a complete shell, it's actually a two, two piece shell. But there is no adjustment for the side bolsters or anything else. Fortunately, my body just barely fits in them and, and fits reasonably well, and so I don't slide around. Uh, but depending on, on your body shape, you may not find yourself in a very comfortable place if you order these seats. So make sure that if you are considering an M3 or an M4, uh, before you, you go for those seats, make sure you actually sit in them and preferably go for a drive yes. and make sure that you're comfortable getting in and out um, and just and just sitting in them. Because if, 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 there, if there are pinch points on your body, you will you will re- regret spending that almost $4,000 yeah. on those seats. you thought seats. they were, Sam, they were okay for you? Like you thought they, they were comfortable? Yeah, they're fine. They're fine for me. Um, you know, I, and when I drove the M4 on the track, <clears throat> I really appreciated those seats because they hold you very securely in place. Oh, you, yeah. They're your, outstanding. Your body position will not change relative to the steering wheel whatsoever. <laughs> Um, You're not yeah. sliding around. Yeah. Did you think the same thing, Roberto? Were they? Yeah, I, 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 well, see, here's the thing. I really like sports seats a lot for some reason. I feel far more comfortable in sports seats than in most luxury vehicle seats. I don't okay. know why. I think they, uh, they, I feel like they're built for uh, me. Um, but I will say, like, that the, the, the leg bolsters are really high, so I could see people getting in and out of their car a lot, like, ending up with bruises on their thigh. There's, like, the little bolt, there's a little bolster in the middle, like, right below your crotch, which is right there. And, like, this carbon, you're like, what the hell is that? It is, uh, I feel like it's, 
you really got to want these seats if you're going to get them. And you should, like, like Sam was saying, you really should go and sit in them and drive for, and, and I'm sure the dealer is going to be a little upset with you, but if you're going to spend that much money, you should get like 30 minutes behind the wheel, at least driving with those seats because they are extreme. You might as well, you're, they're like one step below just throwing someone in an F1. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it Pretty out. Much. I mean, it, it's about as close as you're going to get to a, a true racing seat, you know, which those are typically a one-piece shell, you know, that doesn't have any recline capability. So this, yes, they do right. split it in two pieces so you can recline and get the, the right positioning, you know, relative to the steering wheel and pedals and everything. Uh, but that's the, that's the only adjustment, that and fore aft. Uh, so that all that aside, you know, this is a lovely car to drive, you know, especially when you put it in the in the uh, the sport mode, uh, I I didn't put it into into track mode on you know on the street when the the pavement is so cold. That oh would be, man, that, that would be, be bad. That's yeah, a bad. That's that bad news. Bad thing. There's no. But yeah. you know, dri- driving in, in sport mode, you know, it sounds great. Um, you know, and uh, it's very very quick. Uh, you know, these the, this is this is a fast car. Uh, it's probably. It's probably not. Um, I'm, I haven't looked up the, any of the instrumented tests. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not as fast, you know, as a Tesla Model Three performance in a straight line. But um, you know, I'm sure if you got this thing on a track, you would have a blast with it. Um, as I said, 503 horsepower, uh, similar amount of torque, uh, and you know, it's just really well executed. And you know, if you get it in one of the darker colors. The that that grill doesn't stand out as much, and once you're behind the <laughs> once you're behind the steering wheel, it doesn't matter anyway. It camouflages um, the grill. So yeah. what, what was the dark? What was the color of yours? Is it dark or is uh, it light? Frozen dark gray metallic. Is it is it so the eight thousand dollar paint also camouflages? That's only forty five hundred for the paint. Oh, only forty five hundred for the camo. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Say so, you know what? So, don't I would say if you are are buying this and you're going to drive it for more and like a lot. Don't get the paint or the the crazy seat, and just go for the brakes. Yeah, that that's actually a good point because that's that's the thing that will um, really make a difference uh, yeah. you know, for for high performance driving is those brakes. Those carbon brakes will not fade. Yeah, you know, they will. They they work beautifully. You know, stop. You know, every time you slam on the brakes, that you will get all the stopping power you'll ever need. Um, what else? Uh, yeah. So the base price on the M3 Competition X Drive uh, is seventy-seven thousand dollars, and all in, including the relatively modest by today's standards uh, nine hundred ninety-five dollar destination charge, despite the fact that this car has to come all the way from Munich, all the uh, way from Germany, another that's country. That's, that's a- that's over a the sea. destination charge. That, that's, what is it? Nine ninety five. That, yeah. that actually that's is half of what a right that's a, that's half of what a Jeep Wagoneer costs to come from twenty miles away. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, all in uh, total price one hundred eight thousand five hundred forty five dollars. Uh, so you know, again, there's a, a lot of options on there, which you know is typical of premium German cars. You know. They, they, the manufacturers like to give you lots of choice and lots of ways to spend your money, um, and you know this doesn't this doesn't even get into BMW's individual program, which is that's where things get really out of hand. Uh, but you know for for 109 grand, uh, I, you know it's a lovely car. I, if you know if I had that kind of money to spend on a car, I would seriously consider it. So if you had 109 thousand dollars to burn. 
Yeah. You do it. Yeah. yeah. I think BMW, when it comes to with these with their their latest M cars, I think they're really sort of going back and and really embracing their their sort of performance heritage. Um, I think for years they were just trying too hard to be Mercedes. They were just. Yeah. And I think with with the new with the M3 competition and especially the two the two series line is just amazing. I just I love those cars and, and I think they're really just like you know what we're supposed to be the driving drivers car. Like people who want to, let's do that. Why don't we do that for a while? <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm not sure. You know, when I think when the previous generation M5 came out, BMW got some grief from customers for the uh, synthetic engine sound that they were doing, and you know, I don't know if the engine sound in this one is synthetically enhanced or not. I suspect it probably is to some degree, but. Whatever they're doing, it sounds good, and it sounds very natural, and it's 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 great. The funny thing is, is that engine noises are you know they tune them, you know they adjust yeah. it to do this. It's all sort of synthetic if you really think about it, because right. it's all like yeah, set up even, and like let's, even if let's, there's let's, no electronics involved, you know there's yeah. a lot that goes into getting the pipes just the right length and getting the bends in the right places and the, the mufflers and the resonators. You're, you're so, tuning an instrument to make yeah. it sound a certain... It's like a guitar, and you're like, okay, I got it tuned. Now let me add some effects. And they put some guitar effects on it, and then, yeah. That's essentially <laughs> yeah. how your car gets tuned. Sorry, I everyone. I want the car to sound like a guitar when you, know, when you, you hit it just right, and you hear, like, <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, we've, we've talked about, you know, the sounds in EVs before. You know, one of the things BMW did is they hired Hans Zimmer to Zimmer. create the soundtrack, the soundtracks for their EVs. So they're, you know, that's that's all completely synthetic. They're all making a mistake because clearly Roberto should be making the sound effects for um, these cars. You could just though it could be like an R mode, and it really is just you making different car sounds, <laughs> and that's the sound that's going to make. You get to have four or five selections of different Roberto car just sounds. making noises. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it's only a matter of time before plug, we have downloadable plug. car sounds, <clears throat> just like ringtones for your phone. So. Oh, working on that someone's working on that and they told me and i was like yeah that sounds right dang it who was it oh someone's working on that maybe i think porsche has said that they are looking at some of that uh, you know some downloadable sounds yeah maybe it was an ev maker was it mercedes oh i I think it might have been bmw like you could download different i think i think i'm sorry i i probably should pay more attention when i'm half asleep in another country driving a car. <laughs> it's like when you could download all the cool <clears> stuff. I mean, does anyone actually have a dash-mounted navigation system anymore? But remember, Tom, Tom, you could make it sound like Star Wars and... Oh, different like voices. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can Solo still do that say. for Waze. You can, yeah, you can do you can it with Waze. Different voices. Yeah. 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 So you got that going for us, which is nice. <laughs> all right. So while we were in L.A., you know, the, the L.A. Auto Show was this past week. And... Uh, uh, it was a much smaller show than usual. There were far fewer productions. <coughs> a lot of OEMs, a lot of automakers didn't participate at all. Uh, yeah. But of the vehicles that were revealed in L.A., one thing was unique this year. Every single one of them was a battery electric vehicle. All the, it was all the... EV-tacular. Yes, it was. It was EV-tacular. Um, and one of them actually came with two completely different badges on it. Um, that is the Subaru Solterra and the unfortunately named Toyota BZ4X. Um, and I would strongly urge, urge everyone that is, um, that is interested in this vehicle to just to spite Toyota for the decision to use that name, go buy the Subaru, go buy it from a Subaru dealer instead. 
I, uh-huh. I was. The thing, the BZ4X, it's not even like, it's like, I don't even know how to write it. Is it lowercase b, capital It's lowercase b, four, capital X, z, a four, and then a capital X. Well, except- begging for me to spell it with different capitalization through yeah. a whole freaking story. And then you have the- I, well, and, and worst, worst of all, if you actually look at the badge on the car and all the signage and everything, that lowercase b is superscripted. So you have a superscripted lowercase b. Are you kidding? And is then really? uppercase Z and uppercase X. Yes. And I, yeah. I, I, I told the folks at Toyota, it's like, do not expect us to superscript this B. This, it's yeah, not. No, nobody's happen. doing that. Nobody's yeah. doing that. It's like, well, it's kind of like some of the OEMs who like uh, mini is all caps. And depending on who you write for, you don't write uh, mini all caps. Yeah, or yeah. Like back different in, back, things, like, you know. Yeah. Back in my auto blog days, when, when we finally put together a style guide, one of the elements of the style guide was all brand names and model names would be first letter uppercase everything else lowercase regardless of what the official branding is so mini yeah. would be capital m lowercase i and i i've been in a couple places the same way they had this really the, the editor who wrote the guidelines i can't remember but it was like so written like you know this affectation of capitalizing your entire name you are no more important than any other OEM. will be one letter capitalized and the rest are lowercase i'm like okay right. I, he was not pleased with the whole idea <laughs> Uh, uh, whoops. So, <laughs> so anyway, we, um, Nicole and I uh, were both in uh, Encinitas on uh, Sunday and Monday um, when uh, Toyota was revealing the BZ4X, and then Subaru showed the Solterra at the auto show. Uh, Toyota had the BZ4, BZ4X on the stand, but they didn't do a See? press conference or anything. See? Uh, Did you have to look at the name every time you said that? Because yeah. I was going to do I – did a, I did a video of the Solterra at the auto show. I've stood in front – and I thought I was going to do a bit about how it's hard to, to like trying to remember the BZ4X. And it turned into not being a bit. And it turned into me really trying to remember <laughs> BZ4X. Whereas Solterra, I'm like, oh, Solterra. It's the sun and the, the dirt. It's, it's very Subaru. BZ4X is like a Sony headphone name. Yeah. So Toyota actually did explain the the somewhat convoluted logic behind the name. So BZ stands for Beyond Zero, which is their sub-brand for their EVs, Uh, kind of like Hyundai's using Ionic and BMW is using I and Volkswagen's using ID. So that's their, their, yeah, and that, so that's their EV sub-brand. The four basic is, is stands for the size. So uh, you know, if the BZ5, whatever with whatever other combination of letters, will be somewhat larger, <laughs> the BZ3 will be something smaller, uh, and so on. So it, it's where it stands size-wise in that lineup of BZ cars. And then the X is for crossover. Um, and so presumably if they do an electric sedan, it'll be a BZ something S, or a coupe would be a C, or whatever. Uh, Yes, I know it's convoluted, but it is what it is. Uh, and uh, so the the Salterra, before we get into the vehicle, I got to say one thing. I was at the press conference. I was going to stay and watch the press conference. And I was standing there in front of the stage, and I kept glancing down at the floor. And they had this moving video surface on the floor in the, the, the show, the Subaru stand. 
that was extremely disorienting when you're standing there seeing. Oh, was it making you? Around. Was it yeah. making you sick? It was, and finally I just had to walk away. I could not oh, take it anymore. Oh, I love that. Half the reason to go to the LA Auto Show is for the Subaru booth. One is because of the floor. The second is because they always have dogs. Oh, well, they do that at all every auto show. Yeah. That, that Basset Hound that they had there on Wednesday was great. I missed the best. I got there. Like, I didn't see the. I went for the dogs first. I'm like, oh, I guess the dogs aren't here. I guess I'll go watch the Solterra. <laughs> yeah, because they, they always partner up with a local shelter and, and bring in some dogs that are available for adoption. And I think they'll be doing, they do that all through the public days of the show. So yeah. if, you're, if you're in LA and you go to the, doc, the auto show and you're interested in adopting a dog, stop by the Subaru stand and, you know, if nothing else, at least check out the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Can I mention something else about the Eliana show? So we got a chance to look at um, the Fisker, which yes. is where our beloved Rebecca is now living. Not in a Fisker, but like she's working for Fisker. <laughs> she lives in well, a Fisker. Have you seen the rents in, in, in that I know, in Manhattan Beach? It might Beach? be cheaper for her to live in a Fisker, yeah. So they had um, they had those on display so you could you could get a good look at it. Did you get a chance to see them, Sam? Did you get oh, up close? I, I did. I, I sat in it. I, I, you know, I was actually uh, – uh, being hosted by Fisker on Tuesday and Wednesday, and so I got a, a one-on-one walk around to the car with uh, with Henrik Fisker on Tuesday morning, uh, and uh, it, you know had a chance to sit down with him and, and interview him. Which is I put that interview, uh, I put it in the the Patreon feed on on Thursday, and uh, put it in the in, uh, I added it onto the last episode as well. So and there's uh, there's a bunch more interviews that are coming. Uh, over the next week or so with uh, various other folks that I did uh, over during the show. But, uh, yeah, the, you know, the, that I, I really like that thing. I like what they've done with it. And uh, they've done a lot of things differently um, this time around from what they did with Fisker Automotive. I, you know what I love? And, you know, it's, it's like a first look. It's not like anyone was driving this. But I love two things that I thought were really cool. They have their infotainment screen that spins you can do it portrait or landscape so to show that off in their booth they have a giant like basically a huge i don't know how big it was sam probably knows exactly because looks like looked like it was about a 30 inch screen or so okay see you do know exactly so they have a 30 inch screen that's sort of like on a post and it goes flip and it shifts up to portrait and then flip and it slips shifts back to landscape the screen in the car does that if you're in park apparently you can move that screen so you can you know watch a movie while you're sitting there or whatever and have it in a nice like landscape landscape mode and also the the windows there's like a little dog window on the very back of the car so when you go all the way back it's in the a b c am i right c yeah, pillar the d pillar it's d pillar between Thank the c you. and like, the d how many how many letters do i need um and it's a tiny little window and you can put the window down so your dog can stick his little face through the window and he can get some air so I just want them to get a picture of this with like a husky or something sticking his face through because you know how they have like a body that's like X and with their fur, they're like X times the 12th degree. I just want that little head just foof, just <laughs> popping through this window to see this just sticking out the side of a visker. Um, I thought it was really neat. The, the interior of this thing was gorgeous and everything is sustainable and recycled and all these things. But when you touch the materials, like it, it still feels like something that's going to hold up after five minutes of driving. Because sometimes you get some of the sustainable stuff that they've done in some of the cars. I really question like how well that's going to survive in day-to-day use. You know, we all drink coffees. We all go through drive throughs There's rain, there's snow, there's mess. Um, this is a beautiful interior, but it has a, um, a quality that makes it feel like it's actually going to hold up pretty well. So I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, those, those windows are, um, you know, they're part, they go part of what they call uh, California mode 
which is um, when you you can tap one button on the steering wheel or on the on the touchscreen, I should say, uh, for mm -hmm. California mode, and it lowers all the windows, all four doors, plus those two quarter windows, the dog windows, the rear the window and the rear tailgate, and opens up the massive sunroof. Uh, so you get about as close as you're going to get to a convertible uh, mm -hmm. in this type of vehicle. A lot, you know, very open air feel to it. And the, the screen, you know, it, when you're driving, the default for the screen is portrait mode. And when you're parked, when you're sitting there waiting to charge, they, you know, they call it Hollywood mode. You tap the button and the screen flips 90 degrees Hollywood. into uh, uh, into the uh, uh, landscape mode. So you can watch a movie, watch your Netflix or whatever. Uh, so it's uh, it's a nice you know I think it's a it's a nice solution. One thing I really liked and saw that I really appreciated is despite having the 17 inch touchscreen there, the the climate control buttons are actually physical con physical buttons, and so they're actually on a they're mounted just below the screen. So when the screen is in in portrait mode in your normal driving mode, they they sit right at the bottom edge of the screen. And it looks like it's all one piece flowing down there. When you rotate the screen, the, the that strip of controls actually stays there. So you have physical controls that you can operate without looking at them that are always in the same location. Um, and then other stuff for your, your media and your navigation and everything, that's all in the touchscreen interface. Yay. Climate yeah. controls that are actual buttons are nice. Absolutely. Um, and then um, the, the other thing that's impressive about this car is the starting price. It's going to start at $37,500. Uh, it'll be a while before you can get one at that price point uh, because, as is usually the case these days, you know, they're, they're having a launch edition that they're Ocean <coughs> 1 that is fully loaded with all the goodies in it. Um, and the first 5,000 units they build will be these launch edition models. Uh, and then... After that, they'll introduce the lower trim levels and including the, the, the Ocean Sport. Um, and the Ocean Sport will have a 250-mile range and single motor. It's actually going to be front-wheel drive rather than rear drive. And then all the other models are all dual motor with 340 to 350-mile ranges. I'm looking forward to this. I think there – and there was a lot of excitement for it. I thought it was um, – I think people were excited to see it and it, it – you know, you hear so much about, I know it's like a startup, but it's not a startup. Like everybody knows Fisker a little bit more than some of the other, quote, startups that are out there. Um, so I think you are you have these expectations and you you have these hopes that, okay, are they going to nail it? And I think it it looks good. I mean, none of us have done anything other than sit in it, get a good look at it, hear what they're saying. Uh, so for all of that, it, it really does look like it's going to pull it off. I think it's going to be kind of cool when it finally does arrive. I'm, I'm hoping they do because I like what I see. Yeah, well, I think a key part of that is the fact that they're working, they're partnered very closely with Magna, and Magna, uh, the uh, third largest automotive supplier in the world, uh, is a major investor in the company. Um, Magna is helping them with a lot of the engineering, and uh, they're also uh, going to be doing the manufacturing at their plant in Austria, at Magna Steyr in Austria. Uh, and Magna Steyr has been doing contract manufacturing of vehicles, complete vehicles, for a lot of automakers for many, many, for decades. Mm -hmm. They build the Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon, uh, the Jaguar I-Pace. Uh, they have, in the past, built the Mini Countryman. I don't know if they still do. I think they've moved that. They build the Supra? They do build the Supra and the, the Z4. Supra. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, and they, they build a number of other vehicles there too. So cars uh, that you like, yeah. they build. Absolutely. So they <laughs> they know how to put cars together. They 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 are familiar <clears throat> with the process of managing supply chains, getting parts into the factory, and and putting them together in the right sequence so that everything stays together. <laughs> They also, they also know how to paint cars. They also know how to paint a car. Yeah, they know what they're doing over at the Magna, the Magna yeah. folks. And really, it's, as, we're, as we're joking about this, that is a big thing because when you have, you know, a startup and you're trying to do <clears> things aside from the one that we're picking on um, is, you know. We're not picking on anybody, are we? No, no. I think it's just an issue with startups because you have to learn how to do what you're doing. In yeah. general. And that's the thing. Well, like, it's not easy building car, cars. We have a new idea. We want to build a car. We haven't actually built a car or we have very little experience building a car. Like, go with somebody who knows what they're doing. And I think that's, yeah. you know, that's a, a solid way. And it makes you feel like, okay, well, you were smart enough to say, we shouldn't just build this us. We should go to somebody who, you know, does this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a sound business decision. And it makes you feel good about the decisions they're making where you can kind of say, OK, well, that was one good accept, you know, decision. Let's see if there were very many more made throughout the course of the you know development. So we'll see how it goes. It gives you the opportunity is if you if your car or your auto, you know, your, your company starts doing really, really well and you start going to scale. You can still have a company building your car while you're building your own factory or buying a factory or retrofitting a factory or doing whatever. You know, as, as, you're, as you're scaling up your company, it's going to be small at the beginning. You're going to be making a few hundred cars. Right. Um, you, you know, as, as, but, as you, but, but while that's happening, you don't have to wait for a, a, a factory. You don't have to wait for, you know, somebody to go out and find, you know. It gives you the opportunity to have You don't have to tool a factory. And make sure that you got it and make sure everything is going the way you think it goes and that it's going to make the money you think it's going to make and go, okay, now let's do this ourselves. Yeah. With your expertise on hand, let's continue to do this ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Um, next up, uh, Tesla had a server outage this week. Womp, womp. And, uh, it, uh, and this is not the first time this has happened or, or not the first time that Tesla owners have had challenges getting into their cars. Um, Tesla, for a long time, has offered the ability to use your cell phone, use your smartphone as a key to get into your car and to start the car. And uh, this this has been uh, a problem in the past. Uh, sometimes uh, I've, I've seen stories in the past where a Tesla owner has gone out somewhere to go for a hike you know, on the side of a mountain, and they're somewhere outside of cell phone range. And one of the, the ways, you know, te- uh, Tesla's had a number of ways to use the phone as a key. W- most of the, the newer ones all use um, uh, either uh, Bluetooth low energy. Yeah, they're using Bluetooth low energy. So your phone has to be on uh, and then it connects to the car by Bluetooth, unlocks it, and you can start the car. Uh, but some of the older stuff, some models in the past um, have required a cellular connection. So your phone actually goes up to the Tesla server, and then the Tesla server sends a signal to your car to unlock and lets you start the car. Um, well, <laughs> I guess Tesla had a data center problem this week uh, for, for a while, and a lot of Tesla owners could not get into <clears throat> their cars uh, because they only had their phone and they didn't have you know, the regular key fob or anything, and they were unable to get into the cars. And what, uh, what interesting, uh, just... It, uh, let's see, earlier today, um, or maybe it was yesterday, actually, 
uh, Matt Hardigree, who was formerly the editor-in-chief at Jalopnik. I can't remember what he's doing right now. Uh, but he, uh, he reposted um, a story or a tweet from uh, earlier this year, like back in May, that was, post- it was uh, tweeted by somebody who's a, a Tesla fan. Uh, and that, uh, that tweet uh, showed a picture of when uh, President Biden went to the, uh, the Ford uh, test track in May when they were revealing the, uh, the F-150 Lightning. And you can see on the door of the F-150, it still has the, uh, the keypad that Ford has been offering on their cars as a way to unlock your car since the 1980s. And, you know, it was basically, you know, it was basically, you know, poking fun at, you know, Ford having this, uh, this, you know, this old school technology still in their cars, you know, and it could be using, you know, a phone as a keypad or a phone as a key. And, you know, Ford does offer that on, on most of their newer cars. They have phone as a key using the same basic approach that Tesla uses, Bluetooth LE. But the reason why they keep that keypad on there that they explained is, you know, if your phone dies, your battery dies, you can still get into the car, you know, even if you don't have your, your key fob on you. It, you the, can just the, yeah. tap the five-digit five code and get into your car, and then you can um, plug in your phone and uh, charge it up and get it going again and then use your phone as a key. Or, in fact, you can even do it without, without the phone at all. Uh, you can ha- you can set up a pin code in the car on the touchscreen, so you start you know press the start button, punch in your code, and it'll start the car. The tweet did not age well, is no. uh, what it comes down to. And I, I, this is I and I, I'm, we're not picking on Tesla because this is a problem. It's not picking on when you actually have a real problem where if, if your if your phone is a key uh, system requires. Uh, pinging a server—that's that's a bad system because there are going to be people who are off who are going to be off the grid with their Teslas and suddenly realize they're not going to be able to get into their vehicles. Uh, if there's a server error, um, that should not be a reason why I can't get into my car. Um, and but I, I think you know if other automakers, if they're doing the same thing that also requires some sort of pinging of a server in order to to authenticate the user, um, you need to fix that because there are secure you know, there are secure elements in modern day cell phones. That allow you to 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 have a a nice secure encrypted connection between the phone and whatever other thing you know it has to connect to. So so use that. How about that? How about just use the technology <laughs> that's available to do that? Um, and I, I I'm always nervous with the phone when I when I drove the iX. They only gave me a phone. They didn't give me a key. So that's all I had. <laughs> all I had, and it was fine. It worked out fine. Um, but it was also very controlled. They, they knew where I was driving. You know, I had a route. It, you know, I, you know, I, I wasn't looking at the phone constantly to see whether or not I was, you know, connected uh, to any sort of uh, cell coverage. But it's, I, I, I'm still. I, it's, are keys that bulky? Are they that bad? Is that has that become a problem? That's my other question. <laughs> that uh, I, I understand. So there's there are portions in life. Where I think you know, oh, a key's gonna suck. Surfing is is a huge thing for for me because modern day keys are just full of electronics. I can't, you know, you, you on your if you surf on your wetsuit, there's usually a pocket with a little thing you can tie your fo- your key to. That way, you're out surfing. You come in, you pull your key out, you unlock your car. Um, you can't you can't do that. You don't want to, you know, maybe put a key full of salt water. <laughs> 45 minutes an hour. Um, so there are, like, Jaguar has, like, a wristband of some sort, like an iFit wristband. Uh, yeah, I think it's an NFC. I think it's got an NFC tag in it. Yeah, and there's, there's just, like, little cards that you can use. Um, I 
I think the cards are probably a better solution than than the phones. I think the phone is just like, hey, look what you could do with your phone, and then suddenly yeah, I, because if you can't carry your key, which is yay big, yeah, I don't know, some you, like, some pretty big keys out yeah, there. Yeah, there are some big know, keys but, out there. But as a rule, like if you don't have enough room to store your key, what makes you think you're going to have enough room to store your phone? Like it's a space thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. Anyway, so if you're doing this and you're an automaker and you're not learning from what just happened to Tesla, and if Tesla is not learning how to to fix this, you're 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 failing. You're, you're Fail. You're fail. This should this should be a wake up call to everyone because there is potential. You know, there some. It doesn't. I, you know, I haven't seen a reports of someone who like really needed to get in their car because you know maybe someone got hurt or you know if you're on a job site and your F one fifty won't load, but you know let's say you didn't have the key the the keypad because you decided to use your phone as a key. That's a bad bad scene. Um, yeah. And then wait for phone die. There's a lot of like really weird things about phone as a key that I'm just always like, yeah, I guess you could do it. I mean, it's it sounds <laughs> so cool. Like my it phone sounds is cool. My key, but you're like in practice, there's some holes in that thought. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, I mean, even when it works, it's usually it's it's every time I've ever used it, it's been slower and less reliable than but just pushing the button on your key. Yeah. Right. It's like or hold even, on, even, let me load an app, or I got to hold it, and you wait a few seconds. Yeah, even on you know most of the modern ones, you don't even have to push the button. You can, you don't even have to take the key out of your pocket or purse. You know, just, you can just walk up to the car and you know grab the handle and it opens, it unlocks. Right. Yeah, you just and waltz then, on up. And then like my wife's car, you know, our, our Honda Civic, you know, when you walk away from the car, once you get ten feet away from the car or even less than that, I think it's about ten feet, it locks the doors automatically. And so. You know, you don't you don't even have to think about locking the doors. It, you'll as you walk away, you'll hear hear the horn beep, and beep, you know, then it it's locked. Modern so. cars, uh, they, almost all modern cars now have that thing where you walk up to it and unlock. <laughs> and it's it's yeah. so prevalent that I, when I walk up to my BRZ or my X-Type, I forget that I have to take the key out of my pocket and push a button. <laughs> yeah, well, like, Ford, Ford Maverick owners, on? like what's Ford, going on? Ford Maverick owners will get used to that again because. Those, the, at least on the XL and the XLT, you still have to use the. It's actually a physical key. There's no. It's not a push button start. Rad. Well, you yeah. put it in and turn it. Yeah. Yeah. See now you it know where your like, key wait, is. You mean you actually insert the key? Yeah. That's. Yeah. The, you don't lose the key, or you don't have any of your pockets sitting in there. It's like the best. The best storage for your key is the ignition. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have an older GM car, in which case, you know, oh, then it's the best. Best storage for your key is now on the gl- ground because the ignition is falling out. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> All right, uh, we have some listener questions. Um, let's try to get through these. We actually got quite a few of them this week. Ooh, um, I see. didn't scroll down. That's a first, lot. First up, uh, Yil AJ from Twitter. I'm not sure if I'm mangling that, but anyway, uh, what are the odds that Ford would offer the Raptor rear coil spring suspension in the F-150 Platinum or limited trims? Pretty. I don't see why they would. What? Yeah, I was going to say, because if you want mm. that, you're going to want more than what you're going to get over. Like, why would you put that with those trucks? Because yeah. just that one piece, I think you'd want the other stuff that comes along with that. Yeah. It's in the Raptor. Uh, I, w- I would not entirely rule it out because, like, the, the Lightning, for example, is also going to have a coil spring rear suspension. Um, it, it's it's certainly possible. Uh, more likely, it'll be in the next generation F-150, which, you know, is probably about three years away, tw- you know, like 24, 24, 25 time frame. Um, you know, th- that's probably when you'll see them adopt rear coils. Uh, you know, it's 
certainly, you know, if they think that, you know, the owner, the customers for the Platinum and Limited would want that extra ride comfort of coils, they, they might well do it, but it's, it's probably going to happen in the next generation rather than this generation. Yeah, I think it's more of, okay, wait, now we have it permeated other portions of this lineup. And it makes it makes financial sense for us to, to to put it on these other vehicles. It makes it easy, as opposed to like you know the Raptor and the the Lightning are going to be, you know those are those are still niche vehicles. Um, when you're making the F one fifty, you're making I don't know seventy billion of them. So <laughs> yeah. Or as, as the wrapped as the well, I think the lightning's gonna as as more and more people buy the lightning, then they're like, okay, now we're getting these springs at this price, and let's 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 throw them onto these other vehicles. Uh, Rusty Dusty 55 asked, uh, how about a show on the mid to long-term outlook for advancements in battery cost and efficiency? Well, that's a pretty long topic. Um, and I don't think we're going to cover that one today, but we, I will do something on that coming up. Maybe I'll get, uh, a good, uh, battery expert to, uh, come on as a guest and we can grill, grill that person on, yeah. uh, uh, on the, the outlook for battery costs and efficiency. But I think the TLDR is they're going to get better. Uh, lithium is going to be around for a while. People are going to make it uh, incrementally better over time. And then uh, five, ten years from now, we'll probably get solid state. And that'll be un- the next big jump. That's that's that. There you go. Yeah. There, and there's also there some. There's some in- the show. Yeah. There's also some interesting progress on lithium sulfur and, and other stuff, too. So we'll we'll cover that in more detail on a future show. Brianna Wu asks, what do you all think of the new Cayman? Oh, we got to be careful because Brianna is super Porsche girl. <laughs> yes, she is, and she she has a Cayman. And I like the warning. He's like warning, warning, warning. warning. And she and she's got a first gen Boxster uh, and a, a a couple of nine elevens. So, um, are, are we talking about the Club Sport, the RS Club Sport um, that they well, just showed I off? Think the, the G, there's the GT4 RS and the the Club Sport. The Club Sport's a track only model, uh, but there's also the GT4 RS, which uh, they had at the auto show. It was unveiled at a separate event before the show. Um, uh, did you take a look at the GT4 RS? I did. I did look at the GT4 RS. Um, I I am a fan of the Cayman GT, uh, the 718 Cayman. Um, I like the GT4. Um, I was, I think, it, uh, Porsche showed off a lot of cars. The four vehicles <laughs> at four, uh, five, at, five vehicles, at least. five vehicles at the auto show. And um, yes, we are. We were looking at the GT4 RS. We were looking at the Pan America uh, GTS. Uh, but really all anyone really cared about was the, uh, the Ticons, the, 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 the electric Ticons, which is the sport Turismo. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sport Turismo, uh, especially, um, yeah. Um, so anyway, the, the 718 GT, the GT4 RS, um, I like, you know, I really like the Cayman a lot. Um, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to say this. It's it seems too boy racer to me. There we go. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, the GT4 oh, RS or the Cayman as a whole. The GT4 RS. The GT4 oh, okay. RS. Now, the the regular Cayman. I, I like the regular Cayman. The GT4 RS. I know why it's. I, I know why it has all the the vents and it has the wing and it has the this and it has the that. Um, but I'm just. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm I, I would rather have it without all the stuff. I like it without all the stuff on it. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's my, it is, it, you know, it looks sort of, I don't know. Well, to, 
to help, my- I, I think to, to help address that any uh, any concerns that Brianna has, and, and I know Brianna, um, or you know any thoughts that she might have had about trading in her Cayman on this one, uh, I think all you really need to know is that um, the GT4 RS only comes with a PDK, a dual clutch transmission. There's no manual transmission version of it, which I think will automatically disqualify it from being part of uh, her Brianna's lineup. garage. Oh yeah, she uh, is not a fan of anything. No. Yeah, no. She she wants manuals only. So um, I think the. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you know. I have no doubt that this is an excellent um, dual dual clutch transmission. Uh, you know, the sport PDK. PDK is it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. They know what they're doing over at the Porsche factories. Yes, and, they do. It's you like know, they build cars or something. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, th- this thing has 493 horsepower, so it's the most powerful uh, Cayman yet. Uh, you know, it, it's basically a, a street legal version of the the Cayman GT4 that you can run in like the uh, you know some uh, some of the GT4 racing classes. You know, it's, it's basically it's, it's a barely street legal race car essentially. Yeah, is what it is, and it's exactly and what it sport, is. The club sport is not street legal. It's, yeah. it's only a track car. Yeah, uh, I. <sighs> It's, I don't know. I like the Cayman. I like the, the I, 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 at some point I'm like, all right, that's, t- why? <laughs> <laughs> I know why, but it's just, it's too much. It's like the, the STI. Remember the old STI yeah. with the giant wing? It's kind of like that where you're just like, okay, I know who's going to buy this. But does it really, uh, when we were driving, when we had the Type R, when it first came out, my wife was like, I really like this car, except for that thing on the back. <laughs> Yeah. Thing on the back, that whatever that. Is. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, all the stuff that you know, Porsche's putting all this stuff on there to make it quicker. Um, it's 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 utilitarian, but also, to, well, you know, to, uh, to make it quicker and to separate their customers from more of their money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, which is the goal of every automaker. Which is the goal of every exactly. automaker. Yeah. I think you know people are like, well, Porsches are really expensive. I'm gonna drive a Porsche. You'll understand why every car costs as much as it does because you get in it, you yeah. drive it, you're like, oh yeah, this is worth that much money. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Here, if I were rich, this would be the money I would be putting. You know. Yeah. I've only driven like a handful of Porsches. I feel like I have no opinion on this one because I don't get to drive them very often. So I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's been a long time since I got my hands on one. Unfortunately. Oh. Hopefully, sometime soon again. Um, all right. Andrew Pappas. Uh, Andy, I don't know if, uh, if this is uh, Olive's dad or not, but uh, if it is, uh, we're answering your question. Um, what, uh, what should a homeowner do to get uh, ready for car charging at home? How should a setup be future-proofed? Um, I w- okay, so if, you, if, if it makes sense financially for you, um, solar panels and a, and a battery pack, are pre- and that's just like overall, if it makes sense, like you can do, you can run the numbers and figure out how much sun you get and blah, blah, blah. And whether or not it makes sense financially, if your if, if your energy bill is going to be the same and you're not, you know, it, you, you know, you're, you're, you're like me and you live from paycheck to paycheck, uh, maybe not, maybe not. But, uh, the, that's, I mean, I think that just future proof your home for a lot of things, but it also makes it so, you know, your, your car is essentially being charged at night for free. Thanks to the sun. Um, but also, you know, look at uh, how often you're going to be driving and if you're going to be driving, if you're going to be pushing the limit of your vehicle on a regular basis when it comes to range, maybe get like a level two charger, reach out to a, uh, electrician so you can get a NEMA 
plug put in, see how much power you can, you know, get set up to that, um, and, and do that. Right now, we, we are just plugging, we just have our Kona plugged into the wall, just the regular old boring outlet. It It's not charging really quickly. It's charging very slowly. I think, uh, I think we get four, three and a half miles every hour added to the vehicle, but... <laughs> It, it essentially just goes to, you know, essentially has a 20-mile range, you know, 20 miles round-trip drive every day. So it's it's not that big of a deal. We are planning on getting a level 2 charger at some point. Um, but, uh, yeah, look at, you know, it's, there's unlike your gas car where you're just like, I bought a car, that's fine. <laughs> With the EVs, you're kind of like, okay, well, how often am I driving? How far am I driving? Do I need the quicker charging? If you need, if you're going to be driving long distances on a, on a regular, pretty regular basis, and you want to use the car constantly, if it's like the main car, uh, I think a level two charger um, would be a good addition to your home. And then if you're really going all in, uh, again, solar panels and a battery pack of some sort would be pretty great. Because, again, free charging. Free. I mean, not I, free because you have to pay for all that crap. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, solar panels are not inexpensive. The whole solar thing, then yeah. it's free. Yeah. yeah. But you also get, like, energy during the day for your home, too, you know, if that's yeah. your thing. You feel like having like lights on. It's valuation thing. Like, you have to look and see. Like, depending, you can go online and you can see it. Like, is the angle of the sun the way your roof is versus the trees versus how much sun you get in your, you know, yeah. coordinates. And they can tell you how much you would save or, yeah, you're going to spend more than you yeah. would save I think in the next 50 years. Google has a – you can actually – I think you can actually just do a search on Google and they'll tell you how well. Yeah, they, have, they have a tool, an online yeah. tool for that. Um yeah, I mean, and Nicole, you've seen my house. You know, mm-hmm. it's surrounded by trees. You know, I right, so I can't you, really I do solar here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see, if you like, we have we are uh, we have a garage that is on the southern part of our house. It has a flat roof. Um, we are essentially like there's no trees. We're almost we're right near the top of a hill, <laughs> so <laughs> nothing's gonna get in our way. So we are kind of set up perfectly for solar. We just have to pull the trigger. I, I I practically live in a forest for for what it's worth. So. He does. Yeah. There's no. There's like one little panel, and it's like yeah, one. What square gets up? I mean, Come it's, on, charge, it's, charge. It's great in the summertime because we have this giant maple in the backyard oh, that so keeps you cool. Makes all the shade. Yeah, so it keeps the house like a good 10, 15 degrees cooler in the summertime. But you know, also means you know can't really make use of solar. Um, but uh, yeah, I I agree with you. you know, I, I would say you know the at a bare minimum now, uh, you know, I would consider getting a 240-volt outlet installed in your garage uh, with a, a NEMA 1450 plug on it. So that's that's basically just a standard dryer plug um, because most newer EVs are actually coming with charging cords that support 240-volt as well as 120-volt outlets. You know, so they've just got interchangeable tips on them. So you know, if you're just using a standard household outlet, you can put that on there, and you'll get the, your three, three and a half miles per hour of charging. Uh, and then you know, if you have that, you know, if you have one of those cords uh, and you put on the 240-volt plug on it, you can plug that in. You don't have to have a wall box. You can just plug right in. So all you need to do is just get make sure you have one of those outlets uh, by your garage or you know out somewhere outside you know your by where it's accessible from your driveway. Um, and you know that that will chart you know you'll charge the car a lot faster. Uh, and also uh, you'll actually end up using less electricity because the the onboard AC chargers on EVs are generally optimized for 240 volts. Uh, and so they, um, you know, when they're running on 120, 
they're less efficient in doing that power conversion. And so to get the same amount of energy into the battery, you'll actually be drawing more energy uh, from, the, from the utility. So it'll actually cost you a little more to charge from 120, even though it's slower. Uh, so you, it's pro you know, if you can, it's probably worth considering getting a 240 volt outlet. The other thing to consider as well, you know, we talk about future proofing, um, you know, in most cases, you know, those 240 volt outlets, they're usually a 40, 30 or 40 amp circuit from your breaker panel. Um, if you're thinking about something like, uh, you know, like a, a full, you know, an electric pickup truck or a big van, uh, like an F-150 Lightning, you might want to consider um, getting an 80 amp circuit put in there. You know, that adds a little more cost. Ooh. But if you, if you do that, you know, now you can charge, you know, at like from a, a standard 40 amp circuit, you can charge at like 10 or 11 kilowatts. From an 80 amp circuit, you can charge at 19.2 kilowatts. And you know, with the big batteries that are gonna be in these big trucks, uh, you'll definitely want that faster charging um, capability. And so that's, that's something to consider for future proofing. Beyond that, you know, the, you know, the solar and having a backup battery is, is uh, definitely something to consider if, it, if it's something that works at your location. Oh, also check with your, your, your local utility because we can oh, yeah. set up our, our utility. Um, I haven't done it because I have to put the VIN number in, and I'm like, what, what's the VIN number of the car? And then I'm like, ah, the hell with it. But uh, you can set up sometimes your local utility. You, have, you can get a special um, rate if you have an EV if you promise to charge it, like, you know, essentially if you charge it in the middle of the night. And then all the charging, you know, you can get it. We, we're, we're probably going to get a charge box, but a lot of the sort of capabilities of a charge box are also just built into the car, like only charge it between midnight and like 6 a.m., yeah, you so, can yeah. program it right from the, the right. touchscreen yeah. or from the app uh, yeah. for when you want it to charge. Uh, the, the other thing, too, another good reason to check with your utility is a, a lot of times they will have special programs where you can get that the, the charge box, the wall box, for free. Uh, or you get a rebate, uh, yeah. you know, full, a full rebate. You know, So you buy it, and then they give you the money back uh, when, you get that, when you get it installed. Um, so, you know... Uh, Get get the outlet installed, and then you know check with your utility on the wall box, and you may be able to get that free of charge. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can get when you get an EV. It's just there's a lot of like research it's, and, it's and paperwork. Yeah, it's convoluted. We we uh, the DMV just kicked back our car, said it wasn't uh, it wasn't available for the uh, cal the, the clean air decal because it wasn't on the list. It's like oh your car isn't on the list. It's called the Kona Electric. And then I looked at, <laughs> and I looked at the Are list. I looked at the list, and it's on the list. And I'm just like, ah. So this very nice woman from DMV called me, um, and she said, "Okay, here's the number." She's like, "Call them before you send it back, just to you know make sure everything's fine." She's like, "Because they were leaving, they were like, oh, you have you tried to? Is this an old car? I'm like, it's a brand new car. It had like 12 miles when we bought it. No one else has set it up. So, it, it especially now with you know, there's a lot of things there." kind of running slow but once you get it all set up it's great but yeah all right from coach cabrera what plug-in hybrid suv would you recommend that's not considered luxury hyundai something or other santa fe what's the hyundai uh, is it available yet the santa fe plug-in i know it's coming i don't know if it's don't on think sale it's... yet i think it's i don't think it's on sale yet early in the new year uh yeah i mean that one's that one's probably a really good choice. The other one, you know, of, of stuff you can buy right now, assuming you can find it on a dealer lot, um, I would say probably the, the best choices are the Toyota RAV4 Prime. Oh, yeah. 
um, and or the um, Ford Escape plug-in hybrid. Uh, either of those will get you about 40 miles of electric driving range. Also, you know, if you, you know, if you are hauling kids around, uh, if you're hauling more than more than a couple of people around, um, definitely consider the Chrysler Pacifica hybrid, which is a plug-in mm-hmm. hybrid. You get about uh, oh, 30, yeah. 34 miles of range. And, you know, minivans are always an excellent choice if you are hauling kids around. Um, and, uh, you know, that one is very efficient and, you know, it's a, it's a great plug-in hybrid. You know, I can't remember. I don't know the range on it. I'm trying to look up the, the, on the, how much the Pacifica? you get. No, 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 no. Uh, the one I was saying, and I know that nobody likes Mitsubishi's as a rule they get, but the Highlander, I mean the Outlander, the PHEV, they have a plug-in hybrid Outlander. They're, oh, yeah. actually... It's yeah. actually like the, I remember the affordable. I remember thinking, boy, this is really affordable for this. Oh guy. yeah, it's off really the top of my head. that. That Cheap. was for the uh, that was for the old generation one. Yeah, it's not the uh, new generation. It's the old generation. It's yeah. essentially the vehicle they introduced in Europe, like a year and a half ago or two years ago. But you can get an Outlander hi- plug-in hybrid. Um, I will say, if you're looking at a at a at a Toyota Prime, uh, the Rav4 Prime, I was looking them up when we were looking at cars just to sort of. You know, see, right there is a there was a ten thousand dollar dealer markup. The cheapest Ooh. one I found was seven thousand dollar dealer market. So you know the the shortage and blah blah. You know all the things that we already know about buying a car right now is really it's it's a tough time to buy a car if you don't have to buy a car. Maybe don't buy a car. Um, yeah. But yeah, especially in California for for those. Yeah. Demand for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was. I was I like, that it's that it's crazy expensive to get the that right now. That's not the first person I've heard say that. So yeah, it's, depends how desperately you want it. Their first yeah. year, they were already going to be short. Um, I I spoke to Toyota last year. Yeah, um, only five thousand. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're not going to have enough this year. And I'm like, what? <laughs> they're like, yeah, we're not making enough. And then everything fell. And then of course the 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 chip shortage. You're like, oh no, now we're really not making enough. And it's. <laughs> It's the Rav4 Prime. It's a good, you know. It's it's a it, it's Toyota. They, you know, they may be slow on battery electrics, but they are killing it with the hybrids, and they know what they're doing over there. Yep. Yep. The uh, the the new Outlander plug-in hybrid, which was just announced uh, in late October, is not launching here until the second half of 2022. I'm not sure if they're still selling what? the old Outlander plug-in. Um, but if they are, you can usually get pretty good deals on those. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not an especially modern vehicle. It's been around for a while, but you can, you can get pretty decent deals on But I think I just say, it's not like it's this like amazing, but I always felt like it was a pretty good value for what you were getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll be the only person on your block with a, with a Outlander. Yeah. That's kind of cool, right? Absolutely. Uh, all right. Last one from Ben Chambers. Uh, I know most, if not all, electric vehicles retain a regular 12-volt lead-acid battery. I understand that many uh, vehicle accessories require 12-volt power, but wouldn't it be simpler to use a converter to simply step down the voltage for these devices instead of using a whole separate battery system? I'm sure they must already use a converter to keep the lead-acid battery charged anyway. Uh, This seems a very logical place to simplify and cut weight. Thanks for a great show. Um, Yeah, I mean, all EVs still have... You know, they have multi-voltage, in many cases, electrical systems, including a 12-volt circuit, you know, because most of the traditional accessories, you know, things like the, well, the computers and the, um, uh, the um, things like power windows and locks, those motors, you know, those are all designed to run on 12 volts. Um, you know, a lot of the vehicle systems operate at 12 volts or less. And so they, they keep 12-volt 
circuit in there because they haven't redesigned all of those components for high voltage. Um, and so they do have a DC to DC converter that steps down from the, you know, usually somewhere around 400 volts down to 12 volts. Um, I think the reason why they keep the battery in there is to um, you know, basically act as a buffer, you know, for the times, you know, depending on what the state of charge of the, the high voltage battery is and, uh, you know, to, to make sure you can do things like unlock the doors, you know, and, and start the vehicle, you know, start up, start up the computers. Who would worry about that? I mean, go yeah. ahead. Well, it's a nice you know, redundant the, system. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, the computers, you know, that, you know, handle your battery management system for that high voltage battery, those are running at low voltage. They're running at 12 volts or less. And um, so, you know, before you can start the car, you actually have to have 12 volts, you know, available. And so that battery gives you that 12 volts to power everything up, and then you can actually start the car. And this is why, you know, some manufacturers have had issues at various times, like uh, Ford uh, had a problem with the Mach-E uh, early on with some of them. They, the 12-volt battery was dying. Tesla has had problems with that at various times with the 12-volt batteries dying prematurely. Um, and, you know, when that battery dies, you know, the, you're basically dead. You it's just like your regular. It's just like your gas car. If the battery's dead, you can't make it turn over. You can't turn yeah. over the car. Is essentially yeah, but electrically, yeah, yeah. I suspect at some point we will get to a stage where you know where they don't use that anymore. They don't need that battery in there anymore. Uh, they'll have redesigned some of the systems to run at high voltage. But for now, um, yeah, you're still going to have that that battery, the 12 volt battery, in there somewhere. It's not that. I mean, how much does a 12 volt battery weigh? 30 pounds? Yeah. I'm thinking about every time I have for, to pull one out and then go to the place for the core charge and you put it on the counter, it's all gong. And yeah. you get the new one. That's yeah, probably, probably about 30 effects. pounds. <laughs> yeah, about 20, 30. So it's not too much. It's not a lot of weight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, compared to, you know, 1,000, 1,400, 1,500 pound high voltage battery, it's yeah. peanuts. Yeah. It's like the, so, the weight of a small dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the weight of my dog. It's the my weight dog of the dog. 30 pounds. There you go. My dog's less than that. Oh, uh, I think I think Nico is uh, about 30 pounds now. She's crazy. Three pounds of dog. <laughs> she's got about 12 volts versus... No, she's probably got about 400 volts versus, worth of energy in her. So, so. I think my dog's well, like a one-volt dog. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think all, all puppies have a, you know, are pretty much high voltage, I think. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they, they eventually get to a point, just like a battery, they get to a point where that voltage starts to drop off. And, yeah. <laughs> There's battery degradation, which actually yeah. ends up being nice for after a while. You're like, okay, you don't need to be jumping at a, my face and licking me. You can yeah. take a deep breath there, dog. <sighs> breathe. Yeah. Breathe. Yeah. All right, that is all the questions and topics I think we have for today. Um, anything else uh, you want to mention before we go? No, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy yes. Thanksgiving, if this, yeah, if this goes up before that, there you go. You do that. It should, shouldn't it? Yeah, Maybe yeah, it'll be up not. before okay. that. If Eat Sam some... is a slacker, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We'll see which way this <laughs> oh, goes. Oh, <laughs> now you're putting Sam on the spot. No, I'm not. He's awesome. No, Enjoy well, your time well, with friends or family if that's what you're doing. Yes, Absolutely. enjoy your turkey day. All right. Bye, and don't everybody. forget to go for a walk after the turkey. Yeah, a really yeah. long walk after the turkey. Go for a walk. Bye. 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 Bye.